Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Give them a gift they'll never forget because they'll still have it years later. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age. Like their iconic full zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. Because a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. So be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Code GRATEFULAG23. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Dan Snow's History. I've got the very brilliant Eric Thompson on the podcast. He's a former Commodore in the Royal Navy. Throughout the Cold War, he served on five submarines and ended up commanding uh, Britain's main submarine base, Fast Lane on the Clyde, where uh, Britain's nuclear deterrent is based. He retired in 1998, but his love of submarines has never left him, as you'll hear, because for this podcast, I went round HMS Alliance with him. It was laid down right at the end of the Second World War, completed in 1947. And it served in the Royal Navy right the way through to the 1970s. It's now a museum ship in Gosport, just next to Portsmouth. So I was so honoured that Eric took me around this submarine. He talked to me all about his experience with submarines and what submarines got up to in the Cold War. If you want to watch a film version of this, you can go to historyhit.tv. It's a digital history channel. It's the best history channel in the world, actually. I'm very biased, but I think it is. And if you use the code January... Oh, just, are we still in January? Yes, we are. If you just use the code January, in the next few days, you can take advantage of the January sale. Use January and get a month for free and then get your first three months for 80% off. It's a crazy deal. Snap it up while you have the chance. And you can watch, as well as listen to Eric Thompson, show me around HMS Alliance. But here's the man himself. Enjoy. As soon as I arrived in the Royal Navy Submarine Museum in Gosport, just across the water from Portsmouth, we clambered aboard HMS Alliance. And straight away, Eric was in the zone. The tour began. This is an A-class submarine. And I used to serve in one of these. Trip down yeah. memory lane for you? Yeah, HMS Andrew. It was 1969 70 when I was one of these, which is a rather long time ago. And what is NACLAS? What does it do? Well, it's a, it's a diesel driven submarine. Okay. And this class was built for high speed transits in the Second World War from Trincomalee across to the Malaya area, where the Japanese had taken control. And uh, this submarine is very fast on the surface, it could do about 16 knots. Okay. But in the Cold War, it really wasn't much use because it was very noisy. Uh, if they were snorting, running the diesels, they're solidly mounted to the hull. And, but the idea was it would, it would sink surface vessels or other submarines or what? Uh, surface vessels, really. I mean, these, these Mark VIII torpedoes she would have had are very similar ones. And these are the, these are the tubes, the, are they? The these, are, these are tubes, 21 inch in diameter. So, so One is for keeping beer, the other is for, <laughs> for keeping water. There is actually, there's a beer in there. Yeah. 
Is that something that happened when you were at the sea? Yes, uh, yes, we kept stuff up. One of the tubes usually, it keeps the beer cool. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're having fun. And, uh, and, and, and so, what are, I mean, you say Second World War, so this is, this is basically a, a World War II submarine, is it? Well, not quite, it's a World War II design okay. um, for World War II operational requirements, um, but I think Alliance herself, this one, didn't actually come into life until after the war was finished. The one I was in actually did clock in a couple of months of the war. Of, of the war. But it's got a lot of modern equipment. I'm not sure. These, this is emergency breathing system. All these little breathing points are what you'd plug into if you were flooding up or whatever. The mind boggles. And then, and then you've got life jacket here for the case you have that's, to escape. That's yes for escaping. And you'd need that on the surface once you were up there because once you've escaped, you haven't any lifeboats. You're just bobbing around. So. I you, mean, it's, you, you probably get bored of people saying this, but uh, for those of us who haven't been in submarines, we, we find it terrifying, the idea of being underwater and emergency breathing and having to escape. No, I'll tell you, what is terrifying is being in the London tube in the rush hour <laughs> and thinking of, you know, the 7-7 bombs going off in the tube or the King's Cross fire. Right. There's no chance of getting out. In a submarine, you feel you're in control of things. Uh, uh, you know, you're surrounded by competent people who know the drills. Yeah. And, uh, no, I... Makes sense. What, if you're going to suffer from claustrophobia, you, you wouldn't get beyond the hatch. Were and there I, any guys my that, height? Uh, one or two. Must, I mean, I don't know. How I don't know how they slept. They did, I don't know how they did. Uh, <laughs> yes. What were the suits? So take me. Let's let's take me through. Now we're allowed to call it a boat, aren't we? Yes, a boat. Right. Submarine okay. boats. Why yes. are submarines boats and, and other vessels are ships? I think because way back in the early days, they were quite small compared to all okay. the mighty warships across there, and um, they were very much down market. Uh, in, in the First World War, before the First World War, when submarines came in, they, they came in in 1901 as our first submarine. And it's here, by the way, in the museum, uh, Holland One. The people who involved in submarines were seen as dirty, smelly, piratical, and nothing to do with the real Navy. And, and in fact, the first sea lord at the time described submarines as unfair, underhand, and damned un-English. <laughs> and, and, and said that any submarines were captured should be hanged as pirates and that is why we fly the Jolly Roger coming back from war patrols oh yeah it's not braggadocio it's actually it's two fingers up to Admiral <laughs> Wilson it was yes brilliant right let's keep going you've got bunks here torpedoes here there's not much in the way of sort of separation of uh, of space is there no uh, no you men would be sleeping in here um, there would be more torpedoes of course in um, when she was in service and, and, and is this your personal kit in here is that that, no, I think that's more like to be, oops, uh, probably escape equipment. Um, okay. I'm not sure. But so, so certainly bunks suspended on top of gear and... Yep. God. Yep, and uh, I have slept in a torpedo rack. Some, if you go on board as an extra, as I did when I was a squadron officer, there aren't any bunks for you. Really? Uh, and so you get to know each other pretty well? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the absolute idiot's version. A submarine moves underwater mm -hmm. because a bit like a, a, a hybrid car today, you, you charge the battery when you're on the surface and yeah. use the battery when you're underwater. Is that right? Yes, yes. And in this old-fashioned class of submarines, there's a clutch. So you could, say in harbour, run the engines and the generators to charge the battery. Yeah. When it's sea to dry the propellers, you clutch in. In fact, there's a thing there. An engine clutch. Yeah. But in these electric boats, which followed, um, there's, there's no direct drive from the engine to the propellers. The, the, the engine's just 
make electricity through a generator and, and, and it's electrical wires which go to um, a motor which drives the propellers. Okay. It's a much quieter so system. Like, a bit like modern electric cars. Sort of, yes. Now these are the conrods here. They're they external. Do? Well, they, 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 oh, they, they course, move sorry, up yeah. and down and work the tap. So those would, again, if you got your hand trapped in there, that would be... Yeah, uh, when, when she's steaming along, these are all going up and down all the time. Amazing, isn't Really it? quite noisy. And do you try, in a submarine, do you try and cruise on the surface this, where possible? Um, diesel boats did, yeah. because it's slightly faster. N nuclears wouldn't, no. So nuclears, because you've got unlimited fuel, you can just cruise along yeah, in the water. Yeah, and, and uh, also, because the, the teardrop hull, it's actually pretty dangerous on the surface of any waves at all, because you're going through the waves. And in fact, in the early days, um, there was a lookout when Courageous actually went through a large wave off the Hebrides somewhere, and the, and the poor lookout was sucked out and never found. Oh. So after that, they had to belt in. But there's, there's no real reason for a nuclear submarine to be on the surface. And so in the, in the Second World War, or your early service, it, you only went underwater when you were sort of approaching the enemy. Yeah, I mean, a boat like this would have crossed the Indian Ocean from Tringamalee and then dive and gone down the Malacca Straits okay. and, and then look for targets. It's a matter of interest, these are the, um, that's the exhaust going overboard. Okay. It's, when you say dive, I mean, you just, oh, this is so revolutionary. This is as, as important as human beings going into the air is our ability to fight and operate underwater. Yeah. Well, I think adding to that, in the Second World War, a submarine like this, it was all periscope sightings for your target. Um, in the Cold War, you're into sonar, and uh, it's, it's listening and sound analysis, very, very high-tech stuff. And in the Cold War, presumably, unlike your friends in the infantry in Germany who are sitting around, you know, looking at the, perhaps looking at the Soviets through binoculars, you, you, were, you were playing games. I mean, you were coming up against them and testing yeah. yourself against the opposition, yeah. right? Well, there, there were two different kind of branches of the submarine service. One was the strategic nuclear deterrent submarines with the intercontinental ballistic missiles. They simply went out and disappeared. Yeah. Their three main priorities were, one, remain undetected, two, maintain constant communications, yeah and three be at 15 minutes readiness to fire. 15 minutes. The SSNs, which are the, what we used to call hunter-killers, their role's entirely different. They go out to find Soviet submarines and ships, and uh, they did surveillance patrolling, so in conjunction with the Americans, we're part of the relay. You know, we always had at least one SSN up in the Barents Sea, keeping an eye on what was going on up there. And there's a, a number of reasons for that. One is, you would be wanting to hoover in all the radio signals, radar signals, um, so that you could uh, record the characteristics of the latest Soviet missile radars or whatever, uh, pick up the communications, see what they're talking about, you carry Russian interpreters, and uh, also get up close to their ships to get their sound signatures. And, and with that intelligence, you could feed it out to all the other submarines, uh, and indeed, anti-submarine aircraft like Nimrods with sonar boys and frigates. So we all had these encyclopedias of what the electronic and sonar sound signatures are of, of as many Soviet craft as we could. Uh, so that was that one role. The, the, the second role was to um, see if, the, in our case, the Soviet Northern Fleet was looking like it was getting ready to go to sea big time. And if so, why was that an yeah. indicator of impending war? 
And the third role would be to um, try and latch on to one of their missile submarines as it left um, Murmansk and, and, tra and tra trail it. And wow. then we've done that, we trail it all the way down to really? the American coast. So they were quite busy and that, that was, um, you know, the exciting stuff. But, you know, in both cases, we, we don't talk about... I mean, the, one of the nation's closest, most closely guarded secrets is where do, where do our missile submarines patrol? Yeah. And uh, only three people on board knew where we were. I mean, I, I was the senior engineer of Revenge, and only once did I know where we were, and that was because we had a particular problem the captain explained to me. Uh, but it was normally just the captain, the navigator, and the exo wow. knew where we were. And, and, and in the, the um, surveillance boats, you know, not everyone knew where they were. What they, they would know they were a, a sort of um, sneaky patrol, but they wouldn't, apart from the captain and the, the, the people directly involved, they wouldn't it's, know. It's, just, it's a, but to all the crew in here, that, you know, you, that's the only thing you have for the outside world, depth in feet. You know, yeah. you, know, you know how far underwater you are, and apart from that, yeah. you don't know anything else. No. You're listening to Dan Snow's History Hit. I'm touring HMS Alliance with Eric Thompson. More after this. The Old Testament. It is one of the most influential collections of texts ever created. And this month on The Ancients, we are exploring some of the Hebrew Bible's most well-known stories, people, objects, and kingdoms, and the influences that inspired them. From the Mesopotamian origins behind the well-known creation story of Noah's Ark and the Great Flood, to world-shaping prophets like Moses, sacred artifacts like the Ark of the Covenant, and the archaeology of Temple Mount. Stay tuned for new episodes of our Old Testament series out every Thursday this June on The Ancients from History Hit. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. So I've got, now that we're all talking about electric cars, I've got range anxiety. How, uh, how long would you be able to go in a, in a vessel like this, just on batteries? Well, it depends what you're doing. If you're sitting in the body and doing nothing, probably, if, I don't know, a day and a half, maybe? Yeah. If, you're, if, you're, you if, know, you're, if you're going around at a fair speed, then you're using up the battery quickly, and you'd have to... Uh, probably, you'd be wanting to snort every six hours. So you have to get the snorkel up, and do, put the diesels on and charge batteries up. Yeah. How, yeah. How, what depth do you have to be to do that? 50 feet, just a bit less okay. than that, I think. Okay. I think from memory, the, uh, the next class was about 54 feet. So, um, so um, this, to me, looks pretty old-fashioned. 
I mean, it's pretty remarkable that you first went to sea in things that were, you know, Second World War, very mechanical, yeah. and then you spent the rest of your career on nuclear-powered Yeah, that ended up sitting in front of a bank of dials with um, j just a little... Well, in fact, a nuclear reactor almost needs an extra explanation, but um, the, the, the nuclear reactor is so brilliantly well-designed, it's what you called um, load-following and self-regulating. Uh, 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 all we did, if we wanted to go faster, the, the guy on the throttles, which um, it's just a little tiny lever on a desk, and he just moves it up from stop to full speed. And the steam comes off the, from the steam generators, which are heated by the reactor, and the reactor then becomes, uh, it's getting cold water returning into it. The cold water is denser, acts as a greater moderator, and uh, increases the nuclear um, reaction, and it makes more heat. And it just kind of automatically follows. It's quite a, it's hands-off. Um, well, that sounds like a miracle to me. It, well, it, it sort of is, really. <laughs> well, now we come into the accommodation space part of the submarine. This well, is, this is a galley. So how many people would this be expected to cook for? I, I can't remember the exact numbers. I think this, we had a crew of about 60. 60 people? And uh, they'd be eating three meals a day and the rest. Oh, and uh, the chefs are the, the, the most amazing people. They, they, just, they just, I don't know how they do it. It's fantastic. And is this a... Is this a and this is a bathroom. 60 people. What was the smell like on a submarine after well, a few weeks at sea? The predominant smell was um, diesel. Fumes. Yeah, and these are the heads and bathrooms. Now, you see, um, the A-boats, some of them anyway, had this little thing to put your feet on because some naval doctor thought it was healthy to have your knees above your bottom when you're sitting well, on the Well, I have heard that. I've heard, <laughs> yes. heard that it's better to get your knees up. Um, now, there was one submarine, that, a German submarine, that sank with a malfunctioning toilet, wasn't there? So well, there's a... Uh, Funnily enough, toilets. If, if you ask me what's the thing that worried one most on, um, say, a deterrent patrol, it was blockage of your overboard sewage hull valve. Oh, actually, that's true. That's uh, not a joke. Uh, yeah. You know, if you've got 150 blokes um, probably operating the bowels twice a day and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, if the sewage tank fills up and you can't pump it overboard, you've got problems. Did you feel when you were in submarines that you were the, the, the hunters or were you the prey? No, we were the hunters. Really? Yeah. I mean, British submarines always were. Um, so, for, so surface vessels were scared of you? Uh, well, no. No, they wanted to sink us. I mean, it, 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 during the Second World War, we lost the entire strength of the submarine force during the war, replenishing it throughout, of course, but the strength we had at the beginning was lost. And a lot of our work was done in the Mediterranean. Uh, and in fact, although it's not generally appreciated, um, the submarines played a key part in the victory at El Alamein because we were hitting uh, Rommel's supply lines from Italy to North Africa. But, but, but uh, I mean, you know, in terms of your ethos, did you, by the time you were serving, had, how had that technological, how had the technology shifted? Did you feel you had more advantages or did you feel the advantage lay with the surface vessels and the aircraft? Well, you can be a bit myopic about these things. We always felt we were invulnerable and that yeah. we were a target. I mean, we call surface ships targets. That's, <laughs> that's the terminology. Um, but uh, nuclear submarines, are very difficult to deal with them because I mean, they can go as fast and faster than the surface ships. And in bad weather, like, for example, when the task force is going down to the Falklands, terrible sea conditions. Up, you can't go very fast, as you'll be well aware, in high seas. But a submarine can just hammer along at you know, 30 miles an hour at 400 feet. Uh, so it can catch up with uh, surface fleets. It can come up from a stern. Get, uh, and it's quiet. And it's 
quiet and, and um, suffer ships. And this is one of the reasons I volunteered for submarines. My father was in the Navy during the war and he was on convoy, so he was in the anti-submarine game. And I fancied originally being captain of a destroyer. I failed the eye test for being a, a seaman officer, so I became an engineer. But anyway, out in the Far East, as a midshipman in Barossa, an old battle class destroyer, uh, we used to anti-submarine exercises against this class of submarine out of Singapore. And we could never find the damn things, you know. They, they, they were all, the submarine would fire a green grenade to say, I've just torpedoed you. Yeah. And I thought that, well, you know. I want to be on that team. We're now in the era of um, nuclear submarines, and we can't even handle a submarine like this. So I thought the answer is nuclear submarines. And I'd grown up with the idea that U-boats almost starved the country out during the Second World War, and indeed during the First World War. And I thought, well, if, if this country has got to be an anti-submarine force, the, the anti-submarine force has got to be submarines. It's the, it's, or is it poacher to catch a gamekeeper to catch a poacher? What is that expression? Poacher turned gamekeeper. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and because of the new nuclear submarines, these massive sonar sets, which they could take deep, you know, so the, the surface ships are big sonar sets, but they're bouncing around in the surface, and you get thermal layers on the surface because of the sun, that bends sound rays, etc. Submarines duck underneath, you can't hear them. So that's why I, I volunteer for submarines. And of course, one of the other roles of submarines is to let the heroes from the SBS slip ashore. Uh, so you'd surface, put a canoe on, the, and then they'd... Different ways of doing it, yes. For this submarine, that's what you did. You surfaced uh, usually at night. It didn't fully surface. You had to... You, you didn't give full buoyancy and um, just enough to get the hatch open then you get these guys out and off they go. God. But with um, modern submarines we've got um, uh, sort of canoe release capsules, you know, sort of steel things and then you just go up into them and then be let out from there and the submarine wouldn't have to surface. So this is a Second World War design used during the Cold War. How different would they be today? Oh, massively different. I mean, almost no comparison really, apart from the fact that the steel tubes I mean, a nuclear submarine, for example, is um, twice as wide. Well, a sort of um, early generation Cold War nuclear submarine, twice as wide as this. She'd be carrying 21 torpedoes or more in her um, fore ends. But the modern submarines are carrying you know, tube-launched cruise missiles for hitting Afghanistan, uh, as well as torpedoes and uh, indeed um, things like Subharpoon, which is a torpedo tube launched anti-ship missile is like Exocet, you know, but um, so they, they've got a mixed bag of armaments and then you go to the missile submarines, which the, the, the ballistic missile submarines, they, their targets are 4,000 miles away. So they're huge, huge. And they are a massive, missiles. I mean a Trident submarine, you probably put two of these inside one. Wow. Sounds like they're big enough, even my gangly frame might fit comfortably into one of those. Once COVID passes, folks, I'm going aboard a nuclear submarine. I'll let you know. You need to get yourself... Didn't I was listening to that just thinking how nice it was to be socially near somebody clambering around a submarine, jammed into tight spaces, having a laugh, having a chat. It's funny. God, the year it's been. But you need to get yourself to the submarine museum. Frankly, you need to get yourself to any museum after this series of lockdowns they are going to need your support everywhere in the world let's get back in there history lovers uh, and we and also you're going to see some amazing stuff they're doing you think you're doing them a favor they're doing you a favor um, don't forget to watch the full length film of hms alliance on history hit tv use the code january hope you enjoyed the pod see you next time i feel they had the history on our shoulders
dream of ours, our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished and liquidated. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Just before you go, bit of a favor to ask. I totally understand if you don't want to become a subscriber or pay me any cash money. Makes sense. But if you could just do me a favor, it's for free. Go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you give it a five-star rating and give it an absolutely glowing review, purge yourself, give it a glowing review. I'd really appreciate that. It's a tough world out there. Law of the jungle out there. And uh, I need all the fire support I can get. So that will boost it up the charts. It's so tiresome. But if you could do it, I'd be very, very grateful. Thank you. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You can't really be proud of yourself if you don't know your history. Those were the words of Nelson Mandela and the foundation of a new podcast from The Times and The Sunday Times, Your History. Join me, Anna Temkin, Deputy Obituaries Editor of The Times, each week as we explore the astonishing lives that have shaped our own lives. Your History, available wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe as a special gift. You can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use code Dan Snow at checkout.